Well, good morning, church. Good to see all of you today. Again, we want to welcome those that are with us online. We are so glad you are a part of things this morning. Before I dive into the message today, uh, I want to just remind you of something. If you missed out last Sunday, we wrapped up our series, I Am, as we were talking about identity. And we had a card made that had all the statements of our identity in Christ. We had those made, and we just had a handful of those left over from last week. And so on your way out the door this morning, I think there might be a couple left. There's a high-top table out uh, just right next to our main doors. If you want to grab one of those, we challenge you. Hopefully many of you who grabbed it last week did this. Put that card somewhere where you're going to see it early in the morning. And rather than trying to aspire to an identity all day long, would we live from the identity God has given us in Christ? Amen? Uh, well, th today I get to kick off a brand new teaching series uh, that we've entitled Cash Values. Cash Values. For three weeks, we are going to talk about money. <laughs> And, and just know this, if this is your first time and you had a friend invite you, they just broke out into a hot sweat, okay? They're like, seriously, Greg, the day I invited my friend and you're talking about money. And I totally get that, okay? So, uh, like a lot of us will have this perspective. Maybe you've had this perspective in your life. All the church does is talk about money. Some of you feel that way. And I get it. If you've ever watched televangelists, they've kind of given us a bad reputation when it comes to the church world. It's like constantly begging and asking for money. And, and what we do around here is because of this, like I don't really want to talk about money, if, if I'm going to be honest. Like this doesn't excite me to come up and talk because I know what some of you are thinking as I'm talking about money. But around here, we do a series on money every single year. Why do I do that? Two reasons. First is this, money is one of the biggest issues. Money and stuff is one of the biggest issues in our culture. It's one of the biggest idols in our lives. It can cause some of the most problems. And in fact, many marriages end because of money problems and ways that we relate with money. And so that's one reason. But the second reason is what I shared last week. And it's this, that Jesus, other than the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke more about our money and our stuff than anything else. And so if Jesus gave it that much attention, then we should probably talk about this a little bit. And so I choose to talk about money every single year. And I talk about it at this time of the year. A lot of people want to talk about money in January after they've already screwed up their money for the last two months through the Christmas season. So what I try and do is in November, before we've spent more money than we should have, let's talk about it a little bit. Let's try and reorient our understanding of how we relate to money and stuff in November. So maybe we can get through the holidays in a little bit of a more healthy way, okay? So that's why we do this. And so my prayer in this series is that it would challenge your heart, but it would also challenge your hands. That we wouldn't just feel some things in this series, but we'd actually begin to do some things because of this series, all right? So if you got your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Would you stand with me across the room? Uh, if this is your first time, we stand just to say, God, we honor your word above my words. Your words matter than mine. And so we, we do this as we read our, our passage here, Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse number 5, says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I'm asking on a topic that a lot of us tend to have a wall up when we start talking. God, I pray that every one of us, we would have ears to hear what you have to say. Not what I have to say, what you have to say. And that we would respond to that, God. Pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> okay, quick question for you. How many of you, just honest moment, how many of you would consider yourself a little stubborn? Anybody out there? You're a little stubborn? Okay, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who is stubborn, right? 
Okay, exactly. All the spouses raise their hand, right? If I was sitting on the front row, Amber would have her hand raised right this second, okay? You know, some of you, maybe you don't consider yourself stubborn. Maybe you just consider your, yourself strong-willed, right? Determined, right? It's a positive thing. I'm, I'm just determined. That's who I am. We, we all deal with this, you know. And I've, I've got three kids. And if you've got kids, you understand that your kids all can kind of react in different ways in life. And so I'm going to do my best to guard one of my children and not let you know who it is. But one of my children, about a year ago, uh, we had, Amber and I had a, just a unique experience with them. I got a call in the middle of the day, and it was one of these where Amber's just like, hey, uh, Greg, um, you're going to have to come home right now. And I'm like, I'm actually in the car about to come home. That's why. Why? Why? Because one of our children have absolutely lost their minds. <laughs> and this was during distance learning. How many can say, praise the Lord, that's over with, right? Okay. So, so that, it was during distance learning, and, and this kid was losing their mind. And, and I'm like, what's going on? This child is crying. They're just losing it. I can't say anything to them. They've just absolutely lost it. So I get home, and I think I'm, you know, I'm mature. I'm reasonable. I can take care of this. I walk in the door. It's like, what has happened to my child? They are crying. They're nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So I try to, like, I speak for a living here. Like, seriously, I can do this. So I'm just like, I can coerce this person. I'm like, listen, listen. You know, Daddy, right? Daddy loves you. You can trust me. You need to do this thing. No, I don't want it. I'm like, okay, what is happening, right? It was just overwhelming. And it didn't matter no matter what I did. There was no way. I, it was like, like this child would not trust me. <laughs> this child would not trust what I had to say. And I think for a lot of us, unfortunately, this is the way we react to God. We, we respond to him in this way where we, we know best. See, this child, they, I could try and convince, listen, this is what you needed. It didn't matter. They did not feel that that was the right thing at that moment. And although we may not scream and cry about it, we very often say, no, God, I'm going to do things my way. And so when we talk about this series, we're going to dig into three values in this series, three biblical values that we see that we see throughout Scripture, and we're going to apply those to the idea of money. And this morning, we're going to look at the value of trust, the value of trust. Trust is possibly the most foundational element of the Christian faith. Everything is contingent on the believer's willingness to trust God. And so what does this look like when we apply this to the idea of money in our stuff? And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the passage of Scripture that I just read for you. And, uh, and we're going to break this down and see, okay, what does this really mean for us? Now, some of you probably have already memorized Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one of those passages a lot of people memorize. If you haven't, I would encourage you to do it. There are so many applications to this little passage in your everyday life. It's really great. And what I love in this is what you're going to see is there's four sections to this little passage. And there's four parts, and it says what we should do, what not to do, what it looks like if you do it, and then what will happen if you do it. That's how we break this passage down. So we're going to walk through this together, all right? And I hope there's something that, to speak to your heart. Number one, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now we understand, I just said it, faith in Christ is foundation. this idea of trust is foundational. Like, this is the core. What do we say? We believe that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we have trust, we have faith that that death is actually what saves us, that what he has done provides for us. That's what it requires. We have to trust God to even experience salvation. And he has proven by, as we just said when we took communion, his willingness to die proves that he's trustworthy. 
because he's a God who loves us so much that he would do what he didn't want to do for our benefit. So that's what it means. We trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Well, what does it mean to trust? I think there's four ways that or three ways that we trust. Number one, we have to trust in his word. We trust what he says. Not what I say. Not what you say. Not what your mama says. What does he say? It's the first step. Do we trust his word? Trust in the Lord with all our heart. With whatever the circumstances, we say we're going to do things as you say. But there's a second element. We don't just trust his word. We also trust his will. We trust what he has commanded us to do. What he commands over your life. What he has spoken over your life. Because a lot of times, what do we want to do? We don't want to trust what he has to say. I know you say I should do this, God, but I would rather do this. You know? That's how we operate our lives. But no, if we're going to say we trust the Lord with all our heart, then we trust his word, we trust his will, but we also trust his way. We trust his way. We don't just do what he's told us to do it. We do it how he's told us to do it, okay? Because some of us are guilty of like, I kind of do what God says. I kind of do. It's like my kids. I kind of did what you said, Dad, right? But I'm going to do it my way. A lot of us like to do things our way. We don't want to listen to the way God. When we says, hey, forgive your enemy, love and pray for your enemy. Like I'll try to be forgiving, but I'm not doing that, God. I'm not doing it that way. No. When we say we trust in the Lord with all our heart, what we are doing is saying, God, I'm willing to lay myself down for a second and trust that what you say is better, even if it doesn't make sense to me. Okay? That's what it means to trust the Lord. So we go on the passage. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Most of us say we trust God. In fact, we come here on a regular basis and we sing songs about trusting God. We sing those, but then we spend the majority of our time leaning on our own understanding. Don't you? You wake up in the morning, what do you think about this? What do I feel about this? How do I want to respond to this? That's how we spend most of our lives. We're not thinking about what is God's desire, what's his purposes, what's his hope for our life. No, we're leaning on our understanding. And here's the problem is you can't do both. (laughs) You can't lean on your own understanding and at the same time be trusting God. Now, does that mean you check your brain at the door like I can't even use my brain or my intellect? No, that's not what it means. But what is the foundation of your intellect? Is the foundation your opinions or is it grounded in God's word? Okay? What's the question? Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in God? This was the idea that we dealt with in the identity series. Remember what I said? Listen, when it comes to to our identity, are we going to believe what God has spoken over our lives or are we going to believe what we think or what somebody else says or what our neighbor says or what our spouse says or all those kind of things? Are we going to believe our feelings or are we going to believe God? Are we going to believe our wisdom or are we going to believe God? Are we going to believe our thoughts or are we going to believe God's thoughts? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, this one's going to meddle with us when it comes to our money and our stuff. Why? Because our tendency is to lean on our own understanding when it comes to money. Because some of the things that we're going to talk about in a few minutes don't make sense to us. They don't line up with the way that the world would operate. It doesn't seem to be like what was best according to what the world would say. And so in these moments, we have, to, we have to make the decision. Who are we going to trust? Are we going to trust ourselves or are we going to trust God? That's the question. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. 
In all your ways, submit to him. That word submit, if you look at the original Greek, it's speaking to this idea to know or to acknowledge. Some of you remember the translation, in all your ways, acknowledge him. But I love the NIV's translating this of submit because I think that's the heart and the essence of what this is about. The idea is, will I, in every, whatever's going on in my life, whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm encountering in my life, will I acknowledge God in his desire and will I put myself underneath of him? Well, I say, yes, God, I will submit to you in everything that I am. Rather than doing my thing, it's submitting. That's what trusting looks like. You want to ask the question, how do I go about trusting God? It's constantly choosing him and submitting to him rather than to my own thoughts. Hear this. Trusting will naturally lead to doing. Trusting will naturally lead to doing. If you trust God, then you will live differently than if you don't trust God. Just like in a relationship, if you trust your spouse, if you trust another person, it will naturally impact the way that you do things. Now, one of my favorite words in this is here, in all your ways, submit to him, okay? That's a hard thing. Why? Because all your ways means all your ways, exactly. All your ways, like in all the stuff. Like it doesn't matter what the thing is, because all of us usually have that part of our life, right? You have that part of your life, that part that I'm like, yeah, God, I'm not going to give you this part of my life. Like, I know I worship you, I submit to you, but eh, I'm not sure about that. For some of you, you got that relationship in your life. You know, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, they're taking you the wrong way. And you're like, God, I love you, I love you, but I'm not going to give you this part, right? There's, a, there's others of you, maybe it is an issue, as we've talked about addiction. Maybe there's an area of addiction where, where you haven't leaned in and dealt and you desperately need to because you've said, God, I, I know this is a struggle, but I, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to deal with this. In fact, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was struggling with some addiction, and they said, I submit to Jesus except for this thing, right? And if that's you, I would encourage you to take part in our recovery ministry that starts in a week and a half because God's desire for you is freedom, not bondage. But it requires you to say, yes, God, I'm going to take that thing that I'm bound in, and I'm going to submit it to you. And I can't do it under my own strength, but with your power and your spirit alive in me and with a body supporting me, I can step in and experience freedom, okay? That's what we need. We've all got that part. And I would say for many of us, that part that we don't want to submit to God is our money and our stuff. So God, I give you all the other things, right? I give you all, I give you my time, I'll give you my, I'll come serve, I'll do all these kind of things. But when it comes to my money, that's mine. Don't touch it. Now, we would never say that out loud. But oftentimes, that's the attitude of our heart. That's the way that we act. We say, God, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to give that to you. I don't want to give that away. And so the challenge is, how do we say, God, in all my ways, I want to submit to you, even in the things that feel uncomfortable, even in the things that I don't want to, will I be willing to submit to you? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. See, the result of all of this is increased guidance in our life from God. How many of you out there would say, I would love for God to guide me more? Right? I think most of us would say that. I want God to guide me. We do. We want God to guide us, but the problem is we're just not very guidable. Okay? We just aren't. We're like my little rat of a dog, Millie, okay? If you've never, some of you are new to the church, you don't know the dog that I have. We have a, we have a massive five and a half pound Morky, okay? It's, it's slight, no, it's actually a little smaller than a squirrel. In fact, our dog's white and we have an albino squirrel that runs around our neighborhood. It's albino squirrel. And every time we catch it in the corner of eye, like there's this fear like, oh no, the dog got out. <laughs> nope, it's just a squirrel, okay? 
And, and this dog of ours, you know, it's, it's, it's cute, whatever, that's fine. But, but we got her about a year and a half ago. When we first got the dog, um, we decided we're going to try to take it for a walk. You put it on a leash. Maybe you've tried doing this with a new dog before. Put it on a leash. I know what the dog needs. Dog needs to go to the bathroom. Dog needs to get a lot of exercise. We're going to take a long walk. I know the dog's going to want to go to the park. Let's go to the park. This will be great. The problem is you put a little dog on a leash. What happens? The dog's going all over the place, tugging against me, pulling. I'm like, stop. Can we just walk here? I know where we need to go. I know what you want. We got to go potty. Just follow me, okay? But they don't, right? Why? Because they want to go their own way. And that's how we are most of the time, Right? Like, how often are we being guidable to the Holy Spirit? We're saying, God, yep, I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to do this on my own. God, I'm depending on you. If we would put ourselves in that posture, God would guide us. The, the problem is we're pulling against the leash all the time. And so God is saying to us, listen, here is what I want. I want to guide you. I want to help you in your life. But you have to put yourself in a position to trust me. Will you listen to me? Now, we love this passage. I think most of us love this kind of passage because there's so much application to our lives. I think this is a good verse for all of us. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take just a few moments and apply this to the, the principle of money and to the idea of money. And so I want to ask you a very simple question, but I think this is one that will probably meddle with some of us, and it's this. Does my money demonstrate trust in God? Now, pause for a second. This is not a rhetorical question, okay? This is a literal question. Think about your money for a second. Think about how you relate to your money. Think about your bank account. Think about your checkbook, if you still have one of those. Think about all the things, okay? And ask yourself, does my money demonstrate trust in God? I want to get to our big so what here this morning, and then we're going to kind of settle here just for a few minutes as we close this morning. And uh, the big so what, I always say, so what? If this is your first time, I say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything that I've said so far, this is the point this morning. It's this. Trust is a verb. Trust is a verb. Trust isn't just a feeling, it's a behavior, okay? Trust is something that is, it requires action. Has anybody ever gone bungee jumping or uh, uh, gone skydiving before? Anybody? Oh, there's a bunch of crazy people here. That's awesome. It's great. First service, there was nobody. There were a bunch of pansies in the first service. <laughs> so... <laughs> But if, here's the deal. If, if you've gone skydiving, there's a couple things you've got to deal with. First off, you've got to deal with the idea, like, I've got to overcome this fear, like, of heights. Like, in some way, I'm going to have to, like, I've got to deal with this, right? But there's another thing you have to deal with. You have to take the, the step of trusting your cord or your parachute. It's one thing to say, I believe this parachute is going to catch me. It's another thing to jump out of the plane, right? To put yourself in a position to genuinely say, I trust you, parachute. And here's the deal. When it comes to God, we are really good at saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. But do we actually act like it? When it comes time, do we actually jump out of the plane and say, God, here it is. Here's my behavior that proves that I am trusting in you. The call of every follower of Christ is to trust him with everything. And that includes our money and our stuff. All right. So how do we do this? What does this look like to trust God with our money and our stuff? How do we put action to this trust? I'm going to look at two principles here that we see in Scripture. And I think these will help guide our understanding. The first principle is the principle of the tithe. The second principle is the principle of the first fruits. What do I mean? What is the tithe? The tithe in Scripture 
is returning a portion of what you are given to God. It's given as an act of worship, an act of submission. Now, what does tithe mean? Tithe literally means 10%. And this is a model that we see throughout Scripture. It predates the law. In, early in Genesis, Abraham gave a tithe to the Lord. It's throughout the law, and it's affirmed in the New Testament. This whole idea of the tithe, of giving God 10%, of saying this is an act of worship before you. That's the principle of the tithe. But there is another principle that we see at work throughout Scripture, and it's this. It's the principle of first fruits. What does that mean? Throughout Scripture, there's this idea of bringing the first to God. So let's say you've got, you've got a farm and you've got a crop and you harvest. What do you bring to God? You don't just bring any of it. You bring the first. And why is that? Why, why would you do that? Because it is a, is a step of trust. It's an act of trust. Why is that? Because you give the first, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to harvest the rest of that thing. Right? What happens? A storm comes through, hailstorm comes through and destroys the rest of it. When you give the first, you say, God, my trust is not in my crops. It's not in my ability to make money. It's not in my abilities at all. My trust is completely in you, and I am entrusting my life. By giving you the first, I'm saying, you are the one. You are my source. You are the one that I look to in everything. And this is the biblical pattern that we see throughout. It's the idea of the tithe, and it is 10%, but it isn't just any 10%. It is the first 10%. It is saying, God, I orient my finances around you. I put myself in a posture of trust. I don't just say that I trust you. I actually am orienting my life and my finances in a way that show you you are most important. Now, this is when it gets really quiet out there. <laughs> Especially, you got some out there, you're maybe like me, a little cynical, a little skeptical, and you're like, oh, okay, see, this is what I talk about. It's all about the money, Greg. All you want to do is talk about the money up there. Here's, here's the little secret you need, you need to understand, and it's this. God doesn't need your money. Okay? God doesn't need your money. He has everything. This whole idea of the tithe, it's not about him. It's about you. It's about what you need. Because a lot of us, we live our lives this way. Holding on tightly to things. Never willing to let go. We get in this posture of withholding. And God's desire is what? His, what is his deepest desire for your life? Is that you be conformed to the image of his son. That you would look more like Jesus. And you can't look like Jesus when you're postured like this. It requires us to let go, to say, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to put. And so the whole idea of the tithe is to let go and say, God, my trust isn't myself. My trust isn't my ability to make money. It's not in my bank account. It's not in my 401k. It's not in any of those things. My trust is in you, God. And I'm giving you the first. I'm giving you the best to show you, God, you are my source and I'm not. That's what the tithe says. And so for some of you out there, I would guess that there are many of you out there who have taken the step of the tithe. That is something that you have done. You know, for me, we don't just talk about this. Um, you know, we do this personally. We do this corporately. Like I said, well, you, you can look at our bank account. The first, every time there's an in, there's an out. Why? Is it because we're trying to do some ritual? No, it is an intentional step to say, God, we trust you with our lives. You are our source. Listen, our church, Zoe Church, is not my source. God is. Okay? And the same thing is true for so many of you. I guarantee you, I could pass this microphone around who has taken the step to be a tithe. 
together. And I can guarantee you, you would share stories of how God has provided for you. He has met your needs when you desperately need it as you chose to orient your lives around him and to put him first in everything. And so the challenge is, okay, how do we do this? As a congregation, we take the same step. As a congregation, you might not know this, but we, uh, we don't receive, uh, particularly if you're new to our church, we don't receive some outside funding somewhere else. It's not like we have a denomination that provides funds here. Everything that we do as a congregation here or around the world comes because all of us are faithfully giving to the Lord. That's how, it's, uh, that's how we orient ourselves. But what we do as a congregation, and, and you might not know this, is that we tithe as a congregation as well. The first 10% of everything that comes in for tithes and offering, we send right back out of these doors. And that's how we support 55 missionaries and missions organizations around the world. We give the first. We don't give the leftovers. We don't say, hey, if there's a little spare, we'll give it. No, the very first thing we do is we, we give to support. It is, a, it is saying, listen, our hope is not in you. I love all you people, but you are not our source as a church. Okay? You aren't. God's the source of this place. This is his church. He's going to build it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we posture ourselves. We don't just do this on accident or when it's convenient. We do it. We, we orient the way we deal with money around the fact that our trust is in God. Okay? And so a year and a half ago when COVID hit, and there was a lot of question marks like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to make it financially around here? I went to the board, and I said, don't matter what's going to happen around here. We are not touching our tithe. We're, we're not. That we will cut anything and everything else before we have to cut that. Because at the end of the day, are we going to just tithe when it's easy, when it's comfortable, when it's convenient? Or are we going to do it at all times to say, God, I don't care what's going on in this world. You are our hope and you are our source in everything. That's how we orient ourselves as a congregation. And the challenge is, would we do that ourselves? Would we be the kind of people that say, God, we are choosing to orient ourselves around you, to say you are the one that we trust. It is not ourselves. Now, like I said, I could pass the mic around, and there's so many of you who have taken the step to tithe, and you could give testimonies of how God has proven himself faithful to you over and over again in your life. We could share the same stories. But there's a passage that, Luke, or that Jesus talks about in, in the book of Luke. There's two verses here. He says this. Jesus says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Goes on, though, in verse 38 and says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Now, before I dig into this, you, some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about there? Like a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What does that mean? He's talking, this would be like, let's say I have a jar of flour, right? And I want to have an abundance. How, how do you fill this thing up? First thing you do is you press it down. I want to fill this thing real good. I press it down, shake it together, make sure it's all settled. There's no air bubbles in there at all, right? right? And then suddenly it is so full, it's now flowing over. This is a, an idea of abundance. That's what he's talking about here. And so the idea is give and you will have an abundance, now, a lot of people like to quote just this verse, and they don't like to quote the verse before it. So they say, hey, it's transactional. You just give, and God has to give back to you. That's how this works. He's like a divine vending machine. This is how it works. And I would just say that's taking this verse a little too far, okay? Because we have to understand the context. What's the verse before it? He said, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Don't judge, otherwise you're going to be judged. The principle that we're getting at is the principle of reciprocity, that there is a principle of sowing and reaping. 
okay? God is not a divine vending machine, but there is a principle of saying, if I sow, I can expect to reap a reward. And throughout Scripture, as we put God first in our finances, as we say, God, I prioritize around you, I'm going to give, we can expect that God will be the one who guards and protects and provides for us. And that's what I say. A lot of people will say the phrase, you can't outgive God. That isn't a statement of saying like, Again, if I just give, God has to give me. It's a statement of reality of what people have experienced. If they have been faithful to God, they have seen him over and over be faithful to them. All right? And so this is the challenge for us, is would we step into this? Now, I'm going to have just a, a, a caveat here just for a moment. Uh, because, again, I like to be f- very honest around here when it comes to money. I don't like it when churches, like, try to hide things when it has to do with money. So I'm going to be very clear about things. So Amber and I... Uh, we don't know what anyone gives around here at this church, and we never will. We made a commitment from the beginning that we said, we don't want to pastor dollar signs, we want to pastor people. And unfortunately, as I, I'm an, a fallen human being, and if I know this person gives a lot and this person doesn't give any, it might affect me some way, and I never want to know that. So what I, we choose to, to pastor people. There are only two people in this congregation that know what anybody gives. It's our treasurer and it's our bookkeeper. Those are the two people who know the specifics. Outside of that, we don't know. So when I come here and I talk about this, some of you are like, oh, no, he's been checking up on my records. Nope, I haven't. I'm not talking to you because I've been looking at anybody's given records. We're actually in a great place financially, in a healthy place as a congregation. I'm not talking about money because we need more. I'm talking about it because God wants to set some of you free who are bound. He wants you to experience freedom where you have been stuck, okay? That's what he wants for you. And so we have to lean into this. We have to talk. This is why Jesus talked about this so much, because this very simple, practical thing causes us to be bound, And there is growth in your life. There are steps of faith that God wants to see you take. And and this is a limiting factor in your life. This is something that is holding you back. And so we say, do you want to trust God? Do you really want to trust God? Okay. Then we have to act like it. Because trust is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a verb. It's something we have to act on. To live out. And so I want to come back as we close this morning. I want to come back to the question that I asked you just a few moments ago, and it was this Does my money demonstrate trust in God? Ask the question. If someone looked at your, your bank online or they looked at your checkbook, would there be any evidence to them that you are someone who trusts God? I don't say this because I'm trying to bring any condemnation to anyone. I'm saying this because it's something we should really ask ourselves. Because it's one thing to say that we trust God, but is anything about my life. The last thing I would want in my life is to proclaim something that isn't actually true of who I am. Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to be a hypocrite. That's the one thing we can't stand in this world are hypocrites. So if I'm going to say I trust God, then does anything, does my money demonstrate that I actually do trust God? Does it? If it doesn't, then the question is, well, do I want to actually trust God or not? I either got to stop saying I trust God or I've got to start changing the way that I behave. Those are the only two options. Or I can continue living as a hypocrite. Those are the choices I have. And so I come to you and I challenge you to say, okay, what does this look like in your life? Where are you at in your life? This is between you and God. Again, I'm never going to know any of this stuff. But I genuinely believe that there there are parts of your faith that have been limited because you have been unwilling to submit this area of your life. You've said, God, I will give you all the stuff, all the things, except this. This one's mine. 
So I want to give a challenge to everyone. It's a very clear and simple challenge, and it's this. Take a step toward tithing. Take a step toward tithing. Now, there's a few groups that I see in the room. First group in the room are the tithers. And the tithers love it when I talk about money, okay? They do. They're like, yeah, tithe is awesome. And is it because they're prideful? No, it's because they've seen God's faithfulness and they know how good it is. And they have built their lives around this. And they, if, if I could, again, I could pass the mic, they would say, you need to take the same step in your life, okay? There's the tithers. If you're a tither here, we're going to talk in a couple weeks and challenge you. But my only, my only challenge to you is this, is don't let the tithe become a limiting factor in your faith. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But there's another group in here that I would say, you, you do give some, you know, maybe you give infrequently, you give a little bit, whatever, here and there. But it's not something that has become normal in your life. It isn't something that has become regular in your life. It is just kind of the, the extra. And my challenge is, and I have, I have some people that come to me and say, man, Greg, I, I kind of, I call it a tithe, but I'm not really giving 10%. I'm giving like this percent or whatever. And I'm like, that's between you and God. I don't, I don't need to know any of those things. But my challenge is you, would you step in faith to say, God, I, I'm going to trust you more in this area. I'm going to orient my life and my finances around you in a deeper way than I ever have before. I believe that that's something that some of us need to be able to step into. Some of you I would consider sloppy tithers. You tithe, but you just don't always think about it. And so then it doesn't become a pattern in your life. And so the challenge is how do you make this a regular, a part of who you are and what you're about and the focus of your life? You would say, God, I don't want to just say I trust you, but I want to live it. The last group I would say is just a group who probably say, you know, I don't really give much of anything at all. Now, again, I'm not here trying to compel you because we're struggling financially. I'm, I'm talking to you because I believe this is a part of your faith journey of, of orienting your life. And so if that's you, I want to challenge you to something that I call premeditated, consistent giving. What does that mean? Premeditated, you plan it ahead of time. Consistent, you do it regularly. So what does that mean? You're like, I'm, a tither. I'm not a tither. And Greg, the thought of giving 10%, like, Greg, I'm not even keeping up with my bills, let alone trying to be able to give the, fr- like, I could never do that. Okay, great, 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 great. Let's begin to orient our finances around God, though. So maybe when you get paid, the first dollar, the first $5, I don't really care what it is. Start to begin a pattern of premeditated, consistent giving that you say, God, I'm going to give you the first. And when you give it, it isn't just like, a, here's the thing I got to do. It is saying, God, you're my source. This is a moment of worship right now. God, I am bringing you the tithe, and I'm saying, God, you are my hope. It's not in my job. It's not in my ability to make money. It's not in my intellect. God, you are my source, and I'm putting that into your hands, and I'm trusting that you are going to provide for me. I'm trusting that I'm going to live more on what I have left without that gift than I would with the whole thing because you are my source, and you're the one that I'm looking to. That's what it means. And so I challenge for every single person, would you take a step toward tithing. And I believe as every single one of us does that, there's a, there's a natural outcome. And it's what Jesus talked about. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what's the principle there? What you treasure, what you value, what you put your money toward is like a magnet for your heart. And some of you are like, well, I don't feel like giving. Guess what? You begin to give, your heart actually will be magnetized to that thing. And as we begin to invest in the kingdom of God, we begin to, why why are some of the most generous people the ones who are still looking to find more ways to give money? 
Why? Because as they've begun to invest into eternal things, it only causes them to want to give more. Why? Because God does something in their heart. There's a spiritual work that starts happening inside of our hearts. And the reason why some of us feel cold to God is because we're never willing to invest in anything. We don't treasure Him. We aren't valuing Him. We aren't building our life around Him. And therefore, we're standing off at a distance feeling, why do I feel cold? That's what, when you begin to lean in, God starts to do a work that you could never do on your own. All right? So this is the challenge. How can we begin to, to move our money to being something that actually is, is a proof, is evidence of our trust in God? I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. This isn't one of those mornings where I'm going to, let's all run to the altar and, and we're going to pray this one through. This requires more doing than just praying, Okay? I pray that you would do this prayerfully, but, but it's going to require a practical step in your life. And so the most spiritual thing you may be able to do today is to actually go home and to really look at your money and say, does this say I trust God? And ask the question. And once you've asked the question, now it's up to you what you're going to do about that. That's in your hands. But would you ask the question? Another thing might be some of you couples, you may need to go home and you may need to have a conversation like, we're, we're not there. That's not how we orient our finances. And maybe you need to have a conversation about that. And again, you guys decide what that is. But my prayer is that every single one of us would begin to say, okay, God, how can I go from just talking to doing? How can this go from just a belief or a feeling to an action? God, may I trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding, in all my ways acknowledge him. He will guide us. He will direct our paths that over us. Can I pray over you as we go out today? God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are always and constantly inviting us into deeper relationship with you. And sometimes that deeper relationship is some powerful, profound, spiritual moment. And sometimes it feel like, feels like the mundane, ordinary things. But God, we know that in all things, you are calling us deeper in you. And so God, I pray in this area of our lives that we wouldn't allow this to be just that little segment of our life that we don't turn over to you. But instead, may this be an area we practically say, God, we want to make you Lord of all. And may we live that way, God. I pray in the details and the conversations that need to take place, I pray that you would guide. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's in the door, and I know there's people that right now they are struggling financially. Maybe they don't have a job. Maybe they're struggling on their own. Uh, and God, I pray that, that as they say, God, I want to I wanna trust in you, God, that you would provide over and over and over again. I pray for the person without a job. Would you give them the right job? Not just any job, but give them the right job that they need right now. Would you be that provider? For the person who's just, they're financially feeling overwhelmed, God, I pray that you would give them the ability to have clarity and wisdom about how to operate with their finances. And Lord God, I pray that ultimately you would be glorified and that we as your church would look more and more like you. That we're not a church that is leaning on our own understanding, but we are a church that trusts you. We don't just say it, we live it. May that be the story of who we are. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.